Dialectical Behavior Therapy was created in the 1980s by Marsha Linehan in Seattle, Washington. Today, DBT is taught all over the world. We're two therapists who believe everyone can benefit from DBT skills. I'm Kate. I'm Michelle. And And this this is is DBT and Me. Hey guys. Hello. Glad you're here with us this week. So last week we wrapped up. um, We're shaking the table in front of us. No, the cat is shaking the table in front of us. (laughs) Jen came in. (laughs) We're both really worried our microphone was going to fall over for a second. You're at least as much a part of this podcast as I think we are. Even you're the silent around a little bit. Yep, he's our he's our moral support. Our Um, mascot. Yeah, there you go. Every podcast needs a mascot. (laughs) Right. This is what Jen looks like. Um, But yeah, we're switching gears today. We've been talking about mindfulness really up until this point because I think we mentioned it episode one mindfulness is the core of dbt they are the foundational skills hey jinx um these are you know all the dbt skills are important we believe kate and i's philosophy is that it's important to know mindfulness first and foremost before getting into any of the other stuff the dbt has to offer because it comes back time and time again to those mindfulness skills and they're really really important but now that we've reviewed them over the past few episodes this is our first episode about emotions and emotion regulation. Woo-hoo. So that's kind of our next module, you could say, that we're moving into here. And the way that Kate and I have taught this for quite a while now in the DBT groups that we lead with people in person is we have a group night that we call Emotions 101. It's essentially a night of the class where we go over the nuts and bolts of what emotions are, why we have them, and things like that. So we're going to split this into basically a two-part episode, you could say. Um, Today we're really going to be delving into what emotions are, and then next week we're going to be getting into why we have them. What purpose emotions serve. What do serve. they do for you anyway? What do they do? Why do we have to deal with these things? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> they actually serve a number of purposes. So that is to come next week. But yeah, today we're going to be diving into more of yeah what emotions are. So I'll turn it over to you, Kate. Nice. I'm going to, you know, like any, any, I don't know. I don't know what I was going to say there. I lost my sentence in the middle. Uh... <laughs> I was going to say, the best way to define emotions, I think, to start with is to define what they aren't. Um, So, one of the number one things emotions aren't is thoughts. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know about you, but I'm guilty of this plenty. I try, the more often we teach this group, the more I try not to do this. So, I do think I am improving over time. Um, But... I still am guilty of saying things like, I don't know, I'm making this up. Uh, You might say to your husband, I feel like you're never home for dinner anymore. Notice any problems with that sentence? (laughs) There's no emotional words in it. None. No. So anytime, so I feel like we don't spend any time together. I feel like it's been a month since I've seen you. I feel like, right? So anytime you notice that you're using the word like after the word 
feel, you're almost certainly wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, that is a thought, an interpretation, a perspective. A belief. A belief, yes. Opinion. Yep. Judgment. Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> All of these things, except an emotion. It's not. So you don't feel like someone is never home. You, it seems to you that they're never home anymore. Uh, it, you know, looks to you like they're never home anymore. You, um, your experience is that they're never home anymore, but you don't feel like that because that isn't an emotion. That isn't a feeling. Um, so the, one of the first things I like to say about emotions is that they are not thoughts. Um, so I know it's always Michelle's job to give homework. So this isn't official. This is me slipping in it on the slide and even <gasps> warn her I was going to do it. <laughs> but try and catch yourself. Just notice how often. Just pay attention for the next week. How often do you say, I feel like blankety blank, blank, blank. Mm-hmm. And then go, huh. <laughs> but I guess I don't. Maybe I need to use different words there. Um, this can also be super helpful in any interpersonal conflict um, because, it's much more easy to hear something like, it seems to me like you're never home on time, and that makes me feel sad and lonely, right? Um, now you're showing that you're making an interpretation, which sort of owns it as your read of events. Um, you can't argue with people's feelings. You say, I feel like you're never home. Well, you, and they say, well, I am home. You're like, well, you can't tell me how to feel, right? <laughs> and now we're off to the races with a fight. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> But if you can own, you know, something as an interpretation and then reflect your feelings, that comes from a much more vulnerable place, I feel like. Um, mm-hmm. I feel like, ha, see? I still do it. God damn it. Um, so, uh, as I just demonstrated, no one's perfect here. It's an easy mistake to make. <laughs> well, it is, I think, so ingrained in, in our, our language. It is. Yep. It's like should. We, yep. We say, I feel like for so many things. Yeah. Or we can even use words that might sound like emotions. Um, I feel, I don't know, like run down or oh. something like that. Before we um, were recorded, is this a good, like you were talking about like the difference between feelings and emotions? Is this a good moment there? I mean, sure. I think we can jump in with that. I think there's a lot of words that we use that sound like emotion words that aren't always emotion or just like the feel like i'm feeling hungry which isn't an emotion hungry isn't an emotion yeah but you do feel it yeah so like feelings we use that word interchangeable for like i don't know this table feels smooth and also i feel sad (laughs) right (laughs) which is a little confusing (laughs) to have the same words so yeah and a lot of times in our culture like the yeah kate and i were talking before we started recording this one about is there a difference between feelings and emotions and we're really wanting to hone in today on emotions emotions and what emotions are and so I don't know I'm gonna try to use one of those word riddle things all emotions are feelings but not all feelings are emotions that's a Venn diagram are we following so far yeah okay so you can like Keith just said you can feel hungry you can feel tired you can feel cold you can be in a state of being that may not have any kind of emotional quality to it. There may not be any any other emotions that kind of get mixed up in there, I guess you could say. You're experiencing maybe a certain physiological state. Um, Mm -hmm. Your body is experiencing something. Are you emotionally experiencing something 
along with that. Sometimes yes, maybe, sometimes no. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's something that I think is important to differentiate as well. And I think it also makes it really hard to give <laughs> a concrete definition, definition of, of things. what this emotion yes. is that we're talking about. And we, Let's start this episode by muddling everything <laughs> up and showing how wishy-washy our language is. This is everything it's not. Um, and we, <laughs> we literally, we don't... We don't have, like, a definition lying around. We did not Google this beforehand of what an emotion is. So, I don't know. I'll share my thoughts. Then you can share yours maybe. Sure. If, like, if I had to try to define this thing, what what is it? I'll be very fascinated to see how we differ in our <sighs> definitions. This makes me Gosh, happy. it's going to be tough. Because for me, it does really seem, and I, I believe it is, that our emotions live in our bodies. Like, we feel our emotions physically. Mm-hmm. They manifest in physical ways. If you're feeling sadness, it might come out as tears. If we're feeling anger, we might feel, like, warm all over. Like Muscle our, tension. Yeah. Our bodies react to the emotions that we have. And I think, basically, I view it as, like, our bodies are the home where our emotions live. Um, but emotions are, it's... Again, it's hard to put into, like, a sentence. (laughs) So I don't know how good of a job I'm doing so far. But basically it's something that is intangible that we feel on a physical level. But I think it's also then accompanied by, I don't know, some kind of thoughts, too, about an event that's happening. Yeah. Like, something happens, and then almost instantaneously we think something about what happened, and we have an emotion around what happened. And some argue chicken and egg, what comes first, the thought or the emotion, and whichever one, but they really, I think, occur and almost simultaneously. simultaneously. Yeah. Jinx again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, if I came up to someone and, you know, I don't know, if I had some bad news to break to them, probably almost even before they really process what I'm saying, they would feel an emotion around it. Mm. Um, we we take something in and our body feels something physically and there's an emotion that results. And we're going to get into like what the core emotions are in a minute here. But yeah, it's just something that we feel in our bodies, but we also, I think, feel mentally and like, I don't know, may sound cheesy, but like in our hearts too or <laughs> or something like that. It's It's a hard thing to touch on and explain the emotions that we have, what brings them up, why we feel them. So I don't know. There are my muddy thoughts on that. It's funny because if, like, your, like, hard and fast definition, my brain goes immediately to, like, scientific geekery. Oh, do it. And I don't don't know exactly how to phrase it, but, you know, what is an emotion? It is a chemical cascade that starts in our brain and is transmitted throughout our nervous system, which results in different physiological responses based on what chemicals are involved, Mm -hmm. right? Like, that's an emotion. Yeah, <laughs> right? if we really like, boil it down. Which, you know, are we, you know, what combination of neurotransmitters has been dumped into our system? And what does that tell the rest of our body to do in response, right? Is there, a, you know, you're going to go into fight or flight later, right? Is there, is our adrenal gland getting squishy squashed? You know, is it, are we full of norepinephrine and serotonin? Are we happy or, you know, cuddling mm. and full of oxytocin, right? Like, what are the... What's going on, you know, so for me, if I'm pressed, <laughs> an emotion becomes science, right? Mm-hmm. Like, it is it is a series of chemical and electrical impulses 
that originate in the brain and then, depending on what they are, have different influences in the body. Mm -hmm. um, like you were talking about feeling flushed, feeling tense, maybe feeling nauseated, maybe having a increased heart rate or breathing rate or, right, like different emotions tell our bodies to respond in different ways. Mm -hmm. um, and the funny thing is, is that I think then our body's responses are one of the best ways for us to know how we're feeling. Mm -hmm. So the, the feeling sort of originates in the brain and we don't really get a hang of it until our body responds. I, I think. Yeah, I would agree with that. Yeah. Our bodies are, are, sorry, I leaned too far away from the mic for a second there. Um, our bodies are our Container? lexicon, our, 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 our uh, dictionary to in mm. a sense, right? For, for what our emotional state is. Yeah. Um, so that's, that's how I would define it well, no, if yeah. I had to. I think that's great. And it does make me think of, you know, I know I've had this experience many times of, you know, you just start crying and you're like, I don't know why I'm crying. Yeah, because I was saying, like, sometimes yep. there's a cognitive aspect to it. And sometimes I call them, like, I don't know, free-floating emotions um, that we may never mm -hmm. know what caused it. Yeah. Um, also, I mean, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not deep enough in the neuroscience to know this, but I don't know. You get twitches in the rest of your body. Maybe sometimes you legitimately, you basically have a brain twitch. Yeah. And <laughs> causes an emotion that you're like, yeah. why, why am I suddenly doing this thing? Yeah. Um, but uh, so before we move on, the one other thing that I don't think I quite got to that emotions aren't is facts. Ooh, yes. One of our favorite sayings in DBT is feelings aren't facts, right? Um, which may sound very much in contradiction to my whole scientific, you know, feelings are this emotional, or the, sorry, Emotions are this chemical and or, you know, electrical cascade that happens, right? That's factual. That's real. That's tangible. That's measurable. <laughs> like, if we, well, we also can't see it. Yes. Well, uh, <laughs> I mean, on scans and stuff. I was like, exactly. Right? No, but so. <laughs> Medical I, science I, can like, do things. So. I know. I love stating something then immediately starting to contradict myself. No. <laughs> so while the feeling in and of itself literally is a fact, right? It is a fact that you are having that mm. emotion. What that doesn't mean is that the emotion is a commensurate or factual response to the world outside, right? It may not be a response to a fact. It is almost certainly a response to an interpretation mm -hmm. of the world, which, since we are all fallible, as I think it is important to remind us on every episode of this podcast, uh, our interpretation could be wrong mm -hmm. um, and or horribly biased, you know, maybe not completely wrong, but woo! Real tainted um, by past experiences, um, you know, to make, make it a little bit more serious. Trauma does a huge amount to alter the way our bodies physically produce emotional responses to, you know, in the presence of different stimuli. Um, so it's important to simultaneously have a stance where you can validate and soothe your own emotions, right? Because they are a factual thing. The emotion is happening. That's real. <laughs> um and it deserves its attention to some extent. And also have a have a bit of questioning of like, all right, so this is how I'm feeling. But is that based in fact, right? Mm -hmm. Am I responding to something that's wholly real? Right. Um, I think Michelle points out things like phobias. Um, oh, some yeah. of which are more or less rational. Yep. I, I will own it. I, <laughs> <laughs> I don't like spiders. 
Um, it doesn't really matter how big or small they are. I do not like them. But even the even the big spiders that we get in this area here in Seattle not are dangerous. not. Yeah, they're not poisonous. They don't pose any real threat to us, and they're really not that big. Not um, venomous either. Yeah, like there is no logical, rational reason to experience the emotion of fear. When especially I, not to the level that you might. Especially not to the level that you might. <laughs> if I walk into my living room and see a spider on the wall, but that's the emotion that I feel. Yeah. I instantly feel afraid, and I want that spider gone, and yet I don't <laughs> want to be the one to make it go away because that would mean getting close to it and all these things. And so my feeling there of fear is not a fact, if that makes yes. sense. Like, it's not based in any logic and yes. a lot of our emotions are, aren't aren't <laughs> that's the truth um i was actually as you were talking kate i was thinking back to uh yeah it was just last episode or the episode before we were talking about the orange wall oh yes the, the hideous. hideous orange wall <laughs> so what do, right what happens if kate and i walk into this room that has orange walls and kate goes oh Ugh. it's hideous and she has an emotion of disgust. And I walk in and I see the orange wall and I go, oh my gosh, it's lovely. It's beautiful. <laughs> and I have an emotion of joy, right? Who is correct? And I think DBT would say both of us and maybe neither of us. Yes. <laughs> are both and. Correct. Yeah. Um, because our emotions are very subjective. Yes. What may make one person feel, yeah, joy may make another person feel fear yep um and a lot of this is based off of previous experiences and all sorts of other factors. well and sometimes incomplete data i don't i think this fits in but it just makes me laugh a little bit at myself i all right so i'm just gonna out myself as an enormous fan of the um netflix series sensate um which they did what was it like one season and a two-hour finale or two seasons and a two-hour finale anyway not enough not enough <laughs> Um, and so I saw a little you like YouTube always advertising at us always. Oh my gosh, um, popped up a thing, and I thought that it was saying there was going to be a third season, that mm-hmm. they were making a third season of it, and I burst into tears of joy, like mm-hmm. joyous weeping. Yeah. And then I actually looked closer, and it was just a documentary about. Oh. <laughs> about sensate and i'm still crying because you can't turn them off that fast the emotions yeah. uh, but my emotion was not it was not a fact mm-hmm. that that burst of joyous tears was not based in reality mm-hmm. it was an interpretation and as it turns out a false one mm-hmm. <laughs> an incorrect interpretation of the data before me um which caused that so it is i guess that's a thing just to pay attention to right <laughs> when you're having emotions especially when possible the more overwhelming they are is to take a moment to just check. Mm-hmm. Yep. Right? How much is this based on literal facts? The wall is orange. And how much of this is based on my interpretation? Orange is hideous. Right? <laughs> like, there's that There's that room for pausing and checking, I mm-hmm. think. So, yeah, feelings, uh, they aren't thoughts and they aren't facts. Mm-hmm. And it's good to have a little crowbar separation between those things. Yes. 
And even though it's, it's probably important to mention here um, that we did differentiate just a moment ago between emotions and feelings, if there are differences oh, there. We're between, using them, those words interchangeably we are going the whole to use, time. Exactly. <laughs> when we say feelings, we mean emotions. So just to clear that up. And if some of this so far, if already you're like, whoa, guys, you are giving me a lot of information. Um, like I said, this is the first week that we're getting into the emotion regulation part of DBT. There's going to be a lot more skills to come. We're going to continue talking about this for the next few weeks, about this idea of feelings are not facts, and um, kind of some skills to help you weed out. Navigate, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Weed out, okay, you know, what do I do with my emotions when they're not based on the factual (laughs) experience, I guess you could say. That might be a weird way to put it, but... You know, for me, right, with spiders, yes. how can I have it be that the next time I see a spider on my wall, I don't get so overwhelmed with fear that I never go in my living room ever again? <laughs> like, you know, that's, Burn the, house that's down, the idea. Just, we have to go now. <laughs> yes. So there is. There's this weird balance that DBT navigates and that, I mean, we really try to navigate too when we're working with clients and leading groups and things like that of... Feelings are not facts, and also we want you to validate your emotional experience to be able to recognize what it is and to name it and to not tell yourself all sorts of horrible stupid, things bad, about having awful, it. Stupid, overreaction, yeah. dumb, right, yeah. Yep, again, to use Kate's favorite word, we don't want you guys to shit on yourselves. Yes, I shouldn't be feeling this yeah, way. I mm. shouldn't be feeling afraid of that spider on my wall. Oh, God, Michelle, why are you always, you know, why are you yeah. such an idiot about that? What's wrong with you? We don't want that to be what goes through your mind. Um, yes. No. <laughs> as I just pointed out some of my negative self-talk there. That's <laughs> kind of what the TBT skills are designed to help with is so that you don't get really harsh and critical of the emotions that you have. You can keep them company, you can be with them, you can accept them, and you also get to be in the driver's seat of whether or not you listen to what they tell you. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's kind of the idea that we're diving into here. So we're going to get next into what are called core emotions. Um There are lots of different theories out there about how many core emotions there are, ranging from about the minimum number of five all the way to, I think you said, Kate, you've heard of eight? I thought so, Six or seven? Yeah, at least. I don't know. If you, like, Google core emotions, you'll find different ideas out there about how many there are. Um, But today we're going to talk about five. And yes, the inspiration of what I'm about to talk about, (laughs) if it sounds familiar to you, is from Inside Out, everybody. Um, well, we, it's older than Inside Out. I was about out. to say, we started talking about this before Inside <laughs> Out came came out, but when Inside Out was released... It made it very iconic. Oh, yeah. It, anytime we tried to talk about this in DBT after that, people were like, like, Inside Out? And yeah. we were like, yes. <laughs> it made it so much easier for people to understand. If you are wondering for any reason, what are they talking about with Inside Out? Inside Out is the name of a Disney Pixar movie that was released, I can't remember when, quite a few years ago now. I don't know, time passes fast. Probably. Something like that. Um, But it's the name of a movie. And it is a computer animated, like I said, Disney movie. It's designed for kids. I can't even tell you, though, how many adult clients I have worked with who have told me, Michelle, I watch Inside Out and I just cry and cry and cry. I I would argue that's more important for adults to watch it than for kids. And 
to not give away too much of the plot or what happens in the end, but the general premise of it is that there's this girl, Riley. I think she's 10 or 11. She's in, you know, hormones are about to start kicking in. She's about to become a teenager. And the movie is all about the emotions that she has. Around moving, right? Um, yeah, she's moving. Um, yes, that's kind of the prompting I event thought, of the yeah. story. Yeah. But I've she finds out she's going to move. I've watched it once, so. I've watched it two or three times. Okay. Not enough. I need to watch more. Um, <laughs> and basically, the movie takes place all inside her brain. We get a snapshot into her brain where she has these five emotions that are literal characters in her brain. And we get to see what goes on in her head with these emotions. Mm -hmm. And the emotions are named after the emotion that they actually are. Joy, sadness, I think they say fear. Yeah. Um, Not like afraid. Yeah. Um, Fear, disgust, and anger. And so those are the five core emotions that Kate and I typically talk about in DBT group. And then when those five characters, so to speak, were there in Inside Out, it made it a lot easier for people to understand. So you get to see what happens when each of her different emotions are kind of driving the bus, so to speak, (laughs) of the decisions that Riley is making. What happens when anger is driving what kinds of choices does she make what about when joy is driving or sadness that's kind of the idea of the movie and what you get to see happen so i've heard of yeah when it comes to think about how many core emotions are there i've heard of i think it's surprise surprise is the other most common one as a sixth one yeah i mean i would say that surprise is probably a combination strangely of maybe fear and joy. joy If it's like a happy surprise? Yeah, it depends on what. I think there's like a split second where it's pure itself. And then is the surprising thing a joyous thing or a frightening thing. And then that gets that flavor added on to the end. Exactly. That's the topping. Yeah. So I can see surprise kind of as its own thing. But also it's brief generally. You don't hang out in surprise. No. Um, So I don't tend to think of it as quite as important. Yeah, quite as a core emotion. Um. And the reason why we call these core emotions is one, they're universal. So even across much, lots of animal groups. Yeah, um, anim- some animals feel these emotions, um, and all over the world, this is part of the human experience: is being able to feel all those five things that we just named. Um, and from cultural to culture. Sometimes the expression of those emotions look different, but again, fairly universally, a smile indicates joy. Disgust, I would say, is very universal yes. because that's like a very visceral reaction. Yeah. We're all probably going to make this almost the same face when we smell something bad yeah. and feel disgust. <laughs> um, and again, sadness, it can vary how it looks from cultural to culture, but it can be pretty, these are pretty consistent Recognizable across the board. facial expressions, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So we all feel these things from time to time. And don't get me wrong, there are so many more emotions besides just these More nuanced. <laughs> yes, there's lots of nuanced emotions. So there's not just these five, but most emotions, if you really trace it back, you'll find that it's rooted in one of these five. Um, also with these five emotions, you can feel them on a spectrum, ranging from like mild to extreme, I guess you could say. So like if we take anger, mm-hmm. on the mild side, maybe that looks like annoyance 
or irritation. So you might say, I feel annoyed or I feel irritated. But if you take it to the more extreme, <laughs> you might be feeling rage. Yeah. Um, or I'm trying to think of like another extreme oh, anger fury. Fury. Oh, that's a good one. Um, yeah, furious at someone. Mm-hmm. So there's a range of these. Um, and again, a lot of emotion words will fall along the spectrum for each of those five. Um, I'm trying to think if there's anything else I wanted to say about those. Do you have anything else to add for just thoughts on the core emotions? Um, Only that I think we were talking about posting on the Facebook page an emotion wheel, which I think is a super useful tool. Now, when you go and, well, I mean, we'll pick one, but you could also Google emotion wheel. There's so many. There's so many. And that's where you'll start to see, wait, this one has five emotions in the center. Uh This one has six. And this one, blah, 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 blah. So pick one you like. Um, (laughs) (laughs) We'll pick one we like. It might not be your favorite. We'll see. Um, But I think they're really useful. I also, I sometimes send people, like, when they're learning to, name their emotions more precisely like print out or take with you or have on your phone an emotion wheel and have like an emotion scavenger hunt for your week Mm, like where you're just like trying to spot as many of the different emotions um on the wheel either in yourself or just in your environment as you can and it's kind of a fun game Mm mm-hmm yeah, totally. Watch um, me sneak homework into everything this this that's whole true. this whole episode. I'm just gonna so sneak much in ideas. sneaky homework. No, it's good. <laughs> it's helpful. The more homework, the better. Within reason. Um, but yeah, it is. It's one of those things where you know you may have grown up in a household where your family did not talk about emotions. Um, you were expected to not show any emotions, and that's why a tool like the emotion wheel can be really helpful just because it gives you some vocabulary yeah. to put with what you're feeling. And I don't know. I would imagine you'll probably agree with what I'm about to say, but I'm of the belief that we are always feeling something, something yep. right, emotionally. Um, maybe you're just feeling calm. Yeah, or okay. Yep. But those are emotions. Complacent or, or you know, uh-huh. content or, yeah, there's a lot of, like, sort of only one on a one to ten scale of yeah. emotions. <laughs> Which would be probably the ones that we were just naming, like, very mild joy. Yes. I would say. Um, ranging from, like, that to, like, ecstasy, like, yeah. ecstatic about something. Um, or, yeah, just like, oh, I'm okay. I'm I'm calm. I'm just whatever, you yeah. know. I'm just all right. Chilling. I'm all right. Yeah. Um, so Copacetic. There you go. Um, <laughs> Kate and I, <laughs> I gave Kate this as a, um, well, I don't know if it was for your birthday or Christmas. Oh, but the word. Yeah. Yeah, we both have in our offices these, um, like, flip A-frame. A- yeah, it's hard uh, to describe. Um, maybe I thing. can put that on the Facebook Dang. page, too. <laughs> Um, these things where you flip and they have a face and they name emotions and it's to like pick your mood of the moment yeah, or something or mood of the like day that or whatever. it says. Yeah, and copacetic is one of the it words is. on there. Mm-hmm. That's true. Yeah, so, you know, there's a feeling of rightness when we find the word that yeah. we're looking for to describe what we're feeling emotionally. Something in our body like responds to that in a way that's like, oh, that fits. That feels really good. Um, so... Yeah, and to get into the next part of what we want to talk about, because what I'm about to share as a story leads into a lot of what Kate wants to talk about with some more neuroscience stuff around emotions, because it's 
fascinating stuff, <laughs> um, is a story that we tell a lot in group to illustrate kind of how our emotions work in a way. Um, we touched on this already a little bit in this episode, but there's sometimes this experience of like we feel the emotion so fast and mm-hmm. then we react <laughs> and what that can look like um, and how. <laughs> Sorry, I'm fighting off yawns over here. I don't know why. Sometimes this happens to me. I swear I'm not bored. But <laughs> I'm just laughing at I'm her making, the whole time. Yeah, I'm making Michelle laugh because I'm trying not to yawn. <laughs> Well, maybe you'll like my story, Kate. Maybe it'll wake you up. Though you've heard it I've many times in group. No offense, but it's it's familiar. <laughs> it is a familiar story. You're going to have to come up with something new sometime. I do need to come up with something new. Um, and it's admittedly kind of a kind of a silly story because it's something that would, you know. Ideally, never Not happen. happen. Um, <laughs> but we tell this story in group a lot when we're trying to illustrate how our emotions work. And it also illustrates, which I'll talk about when it's done, Um, a common emotional response that we have when we're feeling fear, which is fight, flight, or freeze. If you guys have heard of fight or flight, they've found in recent years that freeze is another response that we have when we feel fear to an extreme degree. You're pointing at yourself. Yes, I freeze. You freeze. I freeze. Yep. Um, I tend to flee. Oh, okay. I I tend to flight if I can. Flight or freeze. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Interesting. Neither of us go to fight. Um, So the story that I tell um, is that, you know, as Kate and I are sitting in a room leading DBT group, and we normally teach this class pretty early in the module, so a lot of people are not, you know, too familiar yet with the space that we may be in or things like that. And I tell this story of if we were just sitting here in group going along, what would happen if a lion were to walk into the room? <laughs> Which, like Kate said, would ideally never happen. But what if it did? Something What very would play wrong. out, right? <laughs> and I tell people, I was like, I don't think hardly any of us would stop in that moment and start to think to ourselves, hmm, why is this lion here? Did the lion escape? From the zoo, how far did the lion walk to get here? Why is the lion choosing to come in here am rather I than going across the street? Am I hallucinating? Yeah, am I hallucinating? No. I don't think any of us would sit and start to have those. Yeah, contemplate. That's a good word to use. Start to think about what's happening in any kind of rational way. Most people might scream. Um, some people might pick up a chair <laughs> or a desk if they're strong enough and or try hide to behind it <laughs> yeah they're gonna try to like fight the lion off or hide behind it some people may like run up on a chair and like try to get as much in the corner as they can which is i think what i would do some people might just freeze in fear like you said you would do probably um, yeah just what yeah <laughs> deer in the headlights <laughs> exactly there's gonna be all these different kinds of reactions that we would have and yeah chances are everybody in the room would be feeling fear that would be the emotion. And in this, it would be a very short span of time between the line walking in the room, us feeling that fear, and taking some kind of action. Very short. Very short. Short seconds. Yeah, seconds. <laughs> between maybe thing happening. Seconds. Maybe one second. I mean, yeah, milliseconds. Yeah. yeah. Something happens, we feel something, we react. There's no time to sit around and think 
about what's happening. When the stimulus is that intense. When it's that intense. And this is how our emotions work. A lot of the time is that our bodies just kind of do it. They do it. Um, they have a response to the emotion that we're feeling because of something that just happened. <laughs> and so this is kind of an extreme example of that. And Kate's going to talk about this a little bit more. But, you know, in this story, let's say the lion walked in <laughs> and literally didn't hurt anybody and turned around and walked out and <laughs> wandered away. And we never saw the lion again. Um <laughs> We were having a group hallucination, turns out. Yes. <laughs> yes. And no one hallucinated ever again. No, I'm kidding. Um, if it was a literal line, right? The line never came back. Nothing yeah. bad happened. No one got yep. eaten. Nothing nothing like that. Line walked in, line turned around and left. Now, we would all probably feel that fear yes. for quite some time. Um, then the rational thoughts might start to set in. As time passes and our emotion of fear starts to maybe die down a little bit, we might start to kind of talk amongst ourselves and be like, what, what just happened? <laughs> like, what was that about? Um, and that is typically how it works with emotions, that when we're feeling an emotion really strongly, we're not thinking through things rationally. But when the emotion starts dying down, then logic, I guess you could say, returns to to a degree now the next time people would arrive for group let's say a week goes by and then it's time for the next group well we might have some people who won't show up at all yep um or some people might show up but chances are the people who would would almost re-experience that same fear be all an over of again yep. yeah is the lion there no like they're physically safe everything is fine again factually but they're still feeling the same fear. Um, and it might take a number of weeks of showing up and realizing, oh, there isn't a lion here. Okay, I'm safe. <laughs> you know, now, now I've come 20 times with no lion. There still isn't a lion, yeah. Yeah, before that fear starts to f actually fully go away. And it might not ever fully go away. They yeah. may always have that fear a little bit of what if that lion comes back in again. And... The We've proved it could. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you never know. Um, but here's the thing, is that this lion metaphor can be a metaphor for anything in our lives. When it comes to any emotion, um, I talk about a lion and fear, but it could be anything. If you think about trauma you've experienced or things like that, something comes into your life have a really strong reaction, and then you may continue to experience that emotion over and over and over again when you're in a similar situation that triggers it. Mm -hmm. In this example, it would be returning to the same room <laughs> to do group every week, the same room where the line was once Or in. it could just be going to another group. Yeah, going to any group now. Um, that's how our brain kind of connects those dots. And um, I'm going to turn it over to Kate in a second because I've been talking for quite a while now talking about this lion story. You need a drink of water. I do need a drink of water. Yes, I do. Make Kate um, talk so she stops yawning. That may help. Um, but it is one of those things where when we have an emotional experience, you actually taught me this, Kate, years ago, is that physiologically in our bodies, like you were talking about, all those neurotransmitters are released and whatnot, and 
our body will feel an emotion and run through the course of that emotion about 90 seconds. Yes. Right? Okay. So, but we feel things for so much longer than 90 seconds. Like, how nice would it be if we only felt sad for <laughs> 90 seconds and then we never felt sad again? We'd be out of a job. <laughs> you and I would be, yes. Therapist? Ooh, that wouldn't be so good. Um, <laughs> but, you know... It, does, it works that way in our bodies, yes. and yet in our brains, it can function so much differently. And that's what the lion story also illustrates is that when the thing that causes the emotion is gone, we can continue to feel that emotion much longer than 90 seconds because of what we tell ourselves with our thoughts. I think sort of what you're dovetailing into is the idea yeah. of stimulus and response. Mm, yes. Um... So, in your story, the initial stimulus is the lion walking in, right? <laughs> like, that's, that's a pretty obvious stimulus with the, mm-hmm. ah, as the response initially. Um, and if somehow we were put immediately into a vacuum where we were not allowed to think um, or have any other experiences, that experience would clear out of our bodies in about 90 seconds. Mm-hmm. But the wonderful and terrible truth is... Our own thoughts also count as stimulus. Yep. Um, so, um, in the future, you know, weeks, come returning to group, etc., what Michelle is kind of talking about is at that point, there's no lion, so the external stimulus is gone. But the, oh my god, there was a lion here last week, what if it comes back, how the hell did it get here in the first place, why do I, how should I know there won't be another one, right? You're going to be having these kinds of thoughts, And those thoughts, in turn, are going to count as stimulus, right? To trigger, maybe not as intense, but the same family Mm -hmm. of emotional responses. Um, And that, again, like you were saying, the lion goes with fear, but that goes for any emotional experience. Um, If, you know, someone, I don't know, we had, I don't know, uh... I I have an example, if I can. Um, Grief. Oh, yeah. Right? Um, I think about people who experience the death of a loved one. And again, sadness doesn't last for 90 seconds. And Mm. a big part of it is because there's going to be so many stimuli. So many thoughts or... External or internal. I was going to say seeing a picture of the person. Having a holiday or a thing that you want to go to. Eating their favorite food. There's so many things that remind you of that person that the sadness and grief are going to continue coming up over and over and over again. Now, the plus side of this means we sometimes have more control over how long our emotions last than we think or, and I'm calling myself out here, especially want to admit. Um, Right? If, I don't know, you had some sort of spat with your spouse um, and you were angry and then you walk off because you're angry. Well... If you then stopped thinking about it entirely, you would stop being angry <laughs> in 90 seconds when yeah. the chemicals cleared out of your system. Yep. The spat's done. Yep. You're not actually arguing yep. anymore. But yeah. if you're walking away and in your head you're being like, that idiot, I can't believe they said that and mm-hmm. what a stupid opinion and blah, 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 blah right? Mm-hmm. You are essentially sitting in your own brain spamming your anger button. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you're just going click, 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 click. That's yeah. a lot of 90 seconds. Mm -hmm. (laughs) because you basically get another 90 seconds for every time you spam the button right so that means we have a 
something about, you know, responsibility and control, which is great and terrible. Mm-hmm. Um, on the one hand, it means you have the power, <laughs> right? You can be like, all right, I'm going to distract myself. I'm going to think about something else so that I stop fucking spamming this button. Um, but on the other hand, if a thing happened that took five minutes and you're still wrapped up in emotionally five hours later... Yeah. You might have to look at yourself <laughs> a little bit and think, am I spamming my buttons? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> is there a thing actually happening mm-hmm. externally? Like, is there a, a, a thing or am I the thing mm-hmm. at this point? Um, so that's, that's to me what I think is the great and terrible uh, truth about the 90 seconds thing. It's like, you have the power, and also you have the power. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so... And it's really not as easy as it sounds. No, well, I don't even know. Does it sound easy? I think it sounds... Oh, well, that's... Simple. Tr- there you go. There you go. That's what it yeah, is. Yeah, simple, not easy. Yeah, simple <laughs> to just be like, oh, okay, so Stop I'll just... thinking about yeah, that thing. I just need to focus on something else. Like, but, yeah. But not... Hard to execute. Yeah, no, 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 no. <laughs> We'd all be great at this if it were easy. Yeah, um, we wouldn't need DBT skills. Yeah. Because DBT skills help with this. They do. They do a lot. Um, but, you know, we were talking a little bit about going into a little bit more of the neuroscience. That 90-second thing is part of it. But it's also a little bit about just learning... I don't know how your brain is organized. The fight, flight, or freeze, because I cannot say those things fast together or I slur them. Fight, flight, freeze. Damn you, woman. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Those are really, that's like hind brain, right? That's brain stem. Um, Those are some of our oldest emotional responses. Um, Yeah. That is basal, right? That is, is (laughs) you can't do much. Do you Um, say basal? Yes. Um... Oh, the basal ganglia. Yeah, so but all, yeah, but same, which comes from the word like basal, like that, like fundamental, simple, old. Um, I'm gonna have a hard time. If, yeah, 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 yeah. No, you're good. Yeah, like yeah. that's the first part of our brain that yes. develops. That's what babies have. Yes, babies have that part of their brain. Not much else yet. Yes, but super, super <laughs> intact and, and back then. Most of the other emotions, including some amount. I mean, they're they're not nothing stands completely alone in the brain, sure. right? Uh, it's all interconnected. But is the the limbic system. Um, which I tend to think of as the ah part of our brain. Um, but it's ah, it could be also ah, like happy ah, you know, you just got proposed to, or also could be ah, I'm being chased by a lion. Um, <laughs> but the limbic system likes to produce our those chemical cascades, right? That's where a lot of those those impulses are originally generated. Um, and that hangs out in the, basically the midbrain, um, which was the second part of the human brain to develop. Um, and last but not least, if you ever hit yourself in the forehead, um, that's where your prefrontal cortex lives. Our which rational thoughts. Yes, which doesn't feel things. Mm-hmm. It goes, calm down a second, limbic system. <laughs> um, like, let's have a thought here. Uh, right, that's the, if you want to get, was it Freudian? That would be the superego, mm-hmm. right, is our, is our prefrontal cortex. Um, but it, it is, it is the, the rational thought portion of our brain. It is the last to come online. Um, evolutionarily, um, and also just developmentally as we're, we're becoming humans in womb and out after. Um, but also the first to shut down. (laughs) Um, if you think about, uh, like, I don't know, so many emotions get a bad rap. Panic is important. Um, in the lion situation, right? The, one of the reasons we don't sit there and think is because the person who sat there and thought they would be got eaten. Yeah. 
Um, so, you know, evolutionarily, we, we skewed towards people who reacted faster and thought later um, to things like lions. Uh, and so it, sometimes there's that sense that you can't interrupt that process, and sometimes you're right, right? And so I, I really want to validate for folks that some emotional responses are by our conscious estimation, instantaneous. Yeah, especially, like, when you're facing, like, legitimate danger. Yes. Um, yeah, if you just got in a car accident or mm-hmm. if you just got hit by someone, either on, like, I'm Literally, thinking, like, punch, yeah, yeah, yeah. like, you know, on accident or on purpose, unfortunately. Like, your bot, your physical self is threatened in some yeah, way. Yeah, you react without, you without having thinking. control yeah. over it. Um, but so prefrontal cortex can help mitigate our emotional responses when it's allowed to. Mm-hmm. Um, unfortunately, it's also realistically the part that spams our buttons. Because um, it's the thing that's thinking, that idiot, how could, why doesn't he ever wash the dishes? I don't know, I'm making shit up. My <laughs> husband actually does dishes more often than I do. But the <laughs> dishes is just our favorite example of everything in DBT for some reason. Dishes, driving. Yes, we dishes and driving. driving a yeah, lot. It's true. Yeah. Um, and so it's just it's just a concept that I don't know. I think a lot of people think of emotions as ethereal, right? Ephemeral, uh, not who needs them. Well, who needs maybe. them? But also they're in, so intangible, right? They're mm-hmm. not and and completely outside of our control. Mm-hmm. Which is so. I guess the point I want to make with some of the talking about the brain or the neuroscience or neurochemistry is no, they're real. Like they're they're tangible. They're even to some extent measurable. Um, so they're worth validating, they're worth taking care of, paying attention to, listening to, to some extent. Um, and also you have some control over them. Mm-hmm. You know, if, you know, someone jumps out around a corner and goes, boo, right? Like, no, you're startled and there's nothing you could do about yeah. that. Um, you know, a lot of those more basic emotional responses, mm-hmm. those those fear, especially based responses, you can't stop it. Yeah. But you can keep it from going on for yeah ever for too long to some extent yeah and what you brought up about the stimulus response idea i think is really important because when the stimulus isn't there anymore yep that's when our prefrontal cortex is going to come back online yep (laughs) and that's when we really do become in control of like okay this threat or this thing that happened is over now yep it's gone so now what do I want to do? Like, <laughs> now what comes next, basically? And so it really is one of those things where we can try to, if possible, mm-hmm. like, reduce the number of stimuli that might be overwhelming to us in our environment, if we can. Um, but even if we can't, like, even if there's a bunch of stimuli there, all the time, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, there are going to be these moments, like these little breaks, I guess you could say, where it's like, okay, <laughs> and now I can maybe try to, you know, bring in my wise mind a little bit or whatever mm-hmm. it may be to kind of say, all right, now what? In yeah. a way, yep. Um, one of the other things that Kay and I are big fans of saying um, before we wrap up this episode here is that there are no such things as positive or negative Oh, emotions. I forgot that bit. It's oh, true. it's all good. Um, like, I think in our culture, there's, uh, you know, we, we split emotions up. I think out of those five core emotions, people would argue that joy... It's yes. the only positive one. And everything else, anger, fear, disgust, sadness, those are negative. Those yes, are bad. bad. <laughs> Jinx. Um, 
you know, those are the emotions that you're not supposed to feel or whatever Or you want to run away from or want to shut down as soon as possible. Yep. We want to feel joy all the time. Um, Not realistic. No. (laughs) And um, we really refrain from labeling emotions as positive or negative because like we're going to talk about next week, every emotion serves a purpose distinctly and yeah super importantly yep i think pleasant and unpleasant is about the closest i mm-hmm. i can get to because certainly some emotions are more pleasant to experience than others yeah um, but it doesn't make the unpleasant ones negative yep exactly that's a good distinction there um just because something is like hard or challenging to yeah, feel or even uncomfortable uncomfortable yeah it doesn't mean it's bad or wrong it is there for it's important. a reason and yeah we want to <laughs> we want to value it we want to hear what it has to say cuz it may have some important information to give us <laughs> oh that's a great dovetail into my closing moment today Yay! all right do your wrap up okay i it. will wrap up so um with getting onto the path of emotions now that we are <laughs> we have embarked on today um basically well kate and i actually realize we both do with clients i don't think each of us knew that we both did this before mm-hmm. today kate was like well this is the thing i do and i was like me too. Um, we both, as homework assignments with our clients and our practices, um, encourage people to set alarms on their phones. Um, this is a really convenient, helpful feature of phones that we can set alarms for things. Kate was doing it today as she was baking. Um, but to set alarms for random times of the day you could do this as frequently or as infrequently as you want we recommend setting at least one for the week um one a day if you want two a day if you want but you know see how see what feels right to you but set it for a random time you know 3 30 in the afternoon you know whatever it is um 11 in the morning whatever a time that you know you'll be awake yes and, and most of the time, at least not in a meeting or yeah. you know, doing, something. doing something really important. A time when maybe you have a little downtime, I guess you could say, when things lull a little bit. Set an alarm on your phone for that time. And when it goes off, all you have to do is simple. Stop the alarm <laughs> and then go, oh, what am I feeling? And just try to check in about what the emotion is. Um, again, we're going to post an emotion wheel, which will give you a ton of words that you can look at and Ooh, pick from. and you from. can be feeling more than one thing at once. Oh, so important. I'm glad you said that. Yes, you could be feeling three things at once. Um, and just name them. Um, just notice and name them. If it's helpful and if you're able, you can close your eyes briefly for a minute. Sometimes that helps people get centered. But do what feels right to you. Um, and just name the emotion that you're feeling at that particular point in time. And again, we always have those five core ones to go back to. Joy, anger, fear, sadness, disgust. See if any of those fit. Or again, what where you might be on the range of each of those. So just name your emotion. Oh, I'm feeling a little sad. And then... <laughs> move on. That's then it. move on. That's, That's the only thing is just checking in and naming. Exactly. Yep. Um, email us, dbtandmepodcast at gmail.com. Woohoo! All right. Closing All right, moment time. Closing moment time. The best thing that you guys can't see is that Michelle always participates in the closing moments, I which do. is nice. I close my to, eyes like, with you guys. see someone else doing it because I think if I were just sitting in a room by myself talking to a, talking to a microphone, it might feel weird. So it's nice to have someone that I can watch going through it. So And they're helpful. Thank you. Aw. Um, so, as per usual, if you're in a place where it's safe to do so, I would invite you to close your eyes. 
Sit in a comfortable position, get comfy in your body. And to begin with, just tune into your breath. Just notice where you feel your breath the most. And the difference in temperature as you inhale and exhale. You don't have to alter anything about the rhythm or depth of your breath. It's perfect just the way it is. Just allow your breath to welcome you into your body and into the moment. And now in your mind's eye, I'd like you to picture yourself sitting on a bench or maybe a porch swing somewhere comfortable and relaxed. Take a moment to build that environment in your mind. Feel the texture of whatever you're sitting on. Take a moment to look around. Notice the texture of things, the color, the temperature. And just really let this place become solid in your imagination. Once you have that held firmly in your mind's eye, I'd like you to bring up a situation that you're struggling with in life right now. And really take a moment to feel the emotions that are tied in with that situation. Preferably don't pick something that's too overwhelming but also something a little harder than a mild annoyance. And as you bring that situation to mind, allow on the bench next to you for the emotions involved in that to take shape, to take physical form. It might take the shape or form of a person or an animal, it might just be a cloud, or a color, or a light. No wrong answer to how this looks. Just allow this manifestation of your emotional state to take shape, sitting next to you on this bench, or on this porch swing. And let it build. Let it become solid and real to your imagination. And once you have that held in your mind's eye, I'd like you to take a moment and turn towards this emotion or these emotions and ask, what do you want from me? What can I do for you? See if it says anything. See if there's a response. And whatever the response, take it in with compassion and with kindness and understanding. Maybe it wants from you something that's impossible. Or maybe it's silent and has nothing to say at all. Whatever comes forward, let it come forward and just accept the answer. What do you want from me? Is there anything I can do for you? 
Now, if it did make a request, if it did say there was something it needed, take a moment and evaluate. Is that something you could do? Is that something that would be safe or sane to do? If so, consider doing it. Consider taking care of this piece of your emotional self in the way that it's asking for. If it's something impossible or unsafe, turn towards it and thank it for giving you the information anyway. Thank it for being vulnerable. Thank it for talking to you. Give it care and compassion and attention that it might not have been receiving from you previously, especially if it was unpleasant or uncomfortable. Even if it was silent when you asked it what you could do, still tell it thank you for showing up, for being there, and for communicating as much as it could. Last but not least, take a moment and show it some affection. Show it some love. This might mean, if there is such a thing, taking its hand and holding it. You might try putting an arm around it as it sits beside you on the bench. Something to show it that you care. Show it that you accept it. Show it that you understand that it is a part of you, that is deserving, that is valid. See if this conversation has changed it. Do you feel differently as you think about this situation? Does the physical representation of these emotions look or feel any different? different size or shape or color or texture. No right or wrong answer. Just take a moment to observe any changes that may or may not have occurred through telling it that you'll do what you can for it, that you appreciate it, that you see it. After a moment of sitting arm around it, or hand in hand, or however it is that you are acknowledging it. I'd like you to take a moment and just let it come back in as you let go of that situation in your mind and also let go of the porch swing or the bench. Let it all slowly dissolve and melt away. And remember that this is something you can do with any situation, with any feeling. You can look at it. You can talk to it. You can validate it even if you aren't giving in to whatever it wants. When the image has melted away in your mind, take a moment to come back into your body. You might stretch or... Rotate your shoulders or neck or whatever feels good and appropriate for your body. And whenever you feel ready, you can open your eyes and come back into the room. Thank you so much, everybody. Have a good week. Yep. Thanks, guys. To learn more about us and the DBT skills we're teaching each week, join our Facebook group. 
simply log in to your Facebook profile and search for DBT and Me Podcast.